Merry Christmas and welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Almer and on today's episode, the Spirit and Truth team is talking all about Christmas. We're talking about the things that we love, the things that we sometimes find challenging about this season, all from the perspective of being a ministry leader. But before we jump into that conversation, I want to tell you guys about how you can win a free ticket to the Spirit and Truth Conference happening in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through 11th. All you have to do is subscribe to this podcast, and when you do, leave a review. When you leave a review between Christmas and New Year's, you'll be automatically entered to win. For more information about the conference, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life slash conference for more details. All right, now back to the episode. My name is Maggie Elmer, and I'm sitting here with wonderful people who are going to introduce themselves. Tony Maltenberger. And Matt Reynolds. Emma Winchester. And we are the Spirit and Truth staff. And in case you didn't notice, it's Christmas. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yay, Christmas! (laughs) I do like Christmas a lot. (laughs) Matt is firmly on record as being a Christmas person on staff. True. Yeah, I think, you know, it's as we record this, it's December 5th, Mm. which celebrates the 90-day anniversary of Matt's tree being up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's not a lie. (laughs) it's accurate actually we were late this year we really um some scheduling stuff and when we would normally do it i was in africa and so we didn't get it up and as quick so but normally november 1st is when we she heidi my wife will not let me put it up until the first day of november so November 1st it is. So wait a second. Quick clarification before we get into the actual content of this conversation. But when you say Heidi will not let me put it up until November 1st, is the implication of that statement that you would put it up before November 1st? I mean, like, I feel like a solid three months of cheer in your household. There's nothing wrong with that. What? My joy comes from the Lord, Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I happen to care about the birth of our savior, Tony (laughs) (laughs) manifested in a tree. (laughs) (laughs) All righty then. Bring us in. Maggie, tell us who is the perfect, what's the perfect audience for today's episode? The perfect audience for today's episode is just going to be, you know, our, our church leaders who are managing the various processes and, and um, faith initiatives happening in our churches, whether that means you are a professional pastor or whether that means you're a small group leader or just someone who just really cares about advancing um, the kingdom for the purposes of Jesus Christ and all of that, that this podcast is for you. Yeah, and I think we realize that in a podcast like this, uh, where we talk about Christmas and leadership, there's so many feelings that happen as we do our very best to lead in the church, have a family, and enjoy Christmas ourselves. For example, uh, Emma, when you think about Christmas in the church, what feelings does that bring up inside of you, good or bad? Um, I would say good, because historically, what's Christmas time in the church has meant for me growing up means uh, a pretty church with lots of trees and stuff. There's always Christmas 
candy or special food. And then, of course, there is the Advent uh, sermon series, which I can remember from my childhood vividly, the Advent series that my pastors have done. So all good feelings about it because um, something just happens. It, It sticks more. I can't even remember the Advent sermon series that I've preached over the years. I was going to say, you (laughs) preached yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember that either. (laughs) I I think you've just said something that all pastors just dream of are are like people who just remember (laughs) what I said. That was amazing, actually. Well, be encouraged because even at 12 years old, I was sitting in the pew and hearing my pastor and it, it settled into my heart somewhere so that's great that is encouraging <laughs> yeah i love that i love that all right well one of the things that inevitably whether you're a leader or not um is always a little bit of a struggle during the holiday season is just the balance of busy the festivities of christmas and also the you know the spiritual intention of the season so obviously leading up to christmas we have advent which is a season of waiting which is Mm -hmm. actually what you preached about on sunday matt and um (laughs) just a little refresher for you and then um you have this season of waiting but in the midst of all this spiritual stuff you have like parties and that christmas play and whatever else we go and do shopping so how do you I don't know. As how do you wrangle the tension between those two things, Tony? Well, full confession, I don't love Christmas outside of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know Matt's crying, there's weeping and We're having a moment of silence. It's fine. It's fine. So, you know, I just um it's just not my favorite season. It feels over commercialized to me. It feels Full of like unnecessary things. It just seems like a lot of work to pull out all the Christmas decorations only to put them away 90, 60, 30 days later. Again, I just don't know that the juice is worth the squeeze. Mm. Now, we keep our nativity set up all year round because I like to be reminded of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I, I just so I need to I need to just kind of lead with that because what I'm gonna say next is going to sound very cold. You mean grinchy? No, a cold, intentional, um, pragmatic. I have to calendar Christmas events with my family. Mm. Right? And so that's how I approach it. So I, I want my family to have the time that they want and I recognize and accept the fact that we're in different spaces when it comes to Christmas. And so my wife and I, we calendar events like uh, things that she feels is, are important for me to be at. Now, I do not normally put up the tree, nor do I help, what do they call it, dress the tree? Decorate. 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 Trim the tree. Trim. That's, that's, I was tra- uh, that's the word I was looking the for. Th- yeah, the traditional Trim the tree. Trim yeah, the, the traditional tree. word dress of trimming the tree. The tree. <laughs> yeah, trim With the ornaments. Tree. Trim it. Dress it. Yeah, I don't do nice. any of that typically. It's just not something I find any joy in um, or value. So I, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> like if I was a bachelor... <laughs> If I it's a straight cringe answer, what are you talking about? <laughs> if, I, I, look, look, I love, I love Jesus. I love the birth of Jesus. I love Advent, the preparation and the intentionality of our heart towards the God in the flesh. Like I'm here for all of that. I love Emmanuel, God with us. I love that. 
outside of that, meh, take it or leave it. I actually, I'm just going to say that I don't think that answer was cold because I think that what you have described, intentional is the right word. And I think also in in the way that we describe Christian love, it was very it's a very loving thing to do what you're doing. Because this is the truth. Not everybody loves Christmas. My dad was not someone who loved Christmas, but he made a lot of allowances and exceptions for his two daughters who were fanatical about it. So I mean he made space because he loved us. So I mean, that's that's the right thing to do. I'm reading an Advent devotional with my small group on the Uversion Bible app. That's going well. I, I enjoy, like, I, I enjoy the, you know, right now our, our church is preaching through, um, you know, Mary's uh, Annunciation, you know, like mm-hmm. we're, we're doing that in the Gospel of Luke, and we're talking about Mary and their Christian life, and it's, you know, I, there's a lot of really good intentional stuff that brings us back to Scripture, but again, like, you know, the thought of putting up lights, for example. <laughs> Why? Okay, so what you're saying is is the tension of that balance doesn't exist for you in the sense of don't do too much. Yours is, okay, how to, to participate in a way that in- includes, you know, family and things like that. Right. Okay. That's right. So, I, you know, I, I want to be intentional about making sure that my kids know that I love them enough to go see lights. Excellent. Amen. Lights are awesome. All right. Now, Matt, you um, represent a different end of the Christmas spectrum. (laughs) So you seem like you might struggle with the opposite end of the the tension spectrum. Yeah, I I have trouble like just uh, finding time to do all of the stuff that I want to do during Christmas because I just love it all uh, so much. And um and I, you know, I've thought before about why is it that I love Christmas uh, so much? What is it about this, the preparation and the anticipation? Um, and you know, there's probably, like most things, there's probably a mixture of of reasons, and probably some, you know, related to just experiences growing up and all of that. But from a Christian standpoint, part of why I love this time of year. There's something, I think there's something really beautiful about the holy anticipation of Christmas. Mm. It's like you're, there's this building that happens, this building anticipation. And you see it especially with kids, this like uh, anxious waiting. It's like, it's not there yet, but you're like, you're celebrating this future hope, this thing that's coming. And um, I think there's a lot of translation, you know, into our, Christian life, like Advent, is this sense of season of of holy expectation and longing, and you know, as Christians, we look forward to the day in which Jesus will return and long for his um, his triumphant return. And so, something about the sort of beauty and mystery and sort of sacredness of the season crashing into our everyday sort of humdrum normal stuff in life that the lights and the music and even you know the candy and this um special activities those things kind of breaking up breaking in to our normal everyday life and signifying that something special is coming something holy is coming uh to me i don't know it 
every year I just feel like it draws me in beyond just the secular stuff. It draws me into the story of God again. Mm. It draws me into sort of the majesty of what God is unfolding, you know, in his plan to redeem the world, which is such the story that we proclaim at, Christ, at Christmas is such a crazy story mm-hmm. about the God of the universe actually taking on flesh, becoming one, uh, walking with his creation, and being born in such a humble and vulnerable way. I mean, that's just an, it's a crazy story, and yet it is the story of our faith. And uh, anyways, something about the mystery and the majesty of that and the way that the season of anticipation draws us into that I just, I can't get enough of it. Same. I, I actually agree the same way. I just don't see the point for the tree. <laughs> <laughs> or the lights. You know, uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you're wrong about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, even for me, the tree, like, I, it's something, I, and may, I don't know if this is something about my personality or what, but when I walk into my house and I see these, like, festive, special things that signify that something different is happening like there's something this is a different season that we're in i don't know it's just it's just it's fun for me like i feel like you know kind of like when you um you know one of your kids has a birthday party and and you put up streamers or something it's like there's a it's a visual recognition that something special is happening to me that's how light the lights and the tree and all of that stuff i get what you're talking about the over commercialization part of it but i think that's the reason that i like it it's just like the symbol of like you know something sacred is happening yeah emily well i think what's interesting like at least the way that i'm processing these two different approaches is that for matt these the tree the lights are and everything are symbols that we are outside of ordinary time Mm. and so these visual representations are just i see it and i automatically turn to god whereas the societal or cultural approach would be not that you know not immediately turning to god or it could just be super consumeristic so that's what i hear from i think yeah I, i just want my ordinary time to be jesus's time Gosh, <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> okay. Heyo. Okay. Well, just to be clear, like we're not saying that if you enjoy Christmas, your ordinary time is, isn't Jesus-y time. No, no, I wasn't saying. No, that. no, I'm, I, not saying, I'm, no. I'm just taking a jab at Matt because it's low-hanging fruit. But <laughs> continue on, Emma. I apologize. No, no. All I'm saying is that it, no matter where you are on that spectrum the reality is is that we are not in ordinary time Mm. so whether or not you need the tree and the lights to remind you of that is completely unique to the person but we are not in ordinary time we are in the advent season so yeah i so i mean look though we're we're, tell tell us about your experience with it i mean that's what I noticed that you answered that whole question and didn't share a single <laughs> thing about your your sure. personal thoughts Zero on personal on Christmas things. or Advent, other than you you seem to like it. Yeah, well, I will say that I did not grow up in a Christian home, so I was taught that these things were just like fun family things that we would do together, not that they were signs or symbols of the King. Hmm you know, being Mm. born in the flesh. 
So I feel like at least right now in this specific season of life that I am learning to love all of those things for what they uh, represent and not for what the world views them as. So I will answer that I am somewhere in the middle, probably leaning towards Matt. Team Matt, let's go. <laughs> Team Matt, let's go. Anyway, well, I think what's interesting here is is that so the the ten the spectrum here that we've that we've sort of identified exists in a church. Yeah. Like yeah. the collective experience of people in church during Advent and Christmas, it often is on this spectrum of people wanting the sentimental, nostalgic, and this is not to diminish it because there's a lot of beauty in the the peace and I I mean I love those things, all the Christmassy stuff, and I watch ridiculous numbers of Christmas movies every <laughs> Christmas season. Anyway, <laughs> all that to say, there are people who you know from the beginning of Advent they're like, can we just sing all of the Christmas carols? Can we do all of the Christmas from <laughs> go? They want the baby without the waiting. And then there are other people who are just like, you know. No, only Advent carols, only this, only that. It's only spiritual. We don't need... I remember going to church with a friend who their church never used Christmas trees because they view that as a strictly pagan symbol. So, and we don't need to get into that here and now in this because that is just a pointless conversation in my opinion. But, um, you know, that is the t the tension that a lot of leaders, as they're navigating, what do you do during the holiday season in your church? They're usually making those decisions like, you know, how do we keep X, Y, and Z faction happy with the music or the e events or whatever? I don't know. Do you guys have experiences with that? Well, I do think uh, f uh, for... For pastors, church staff, people in leadership in local churches, Christmas time can be a time that feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of sort of unspoken expectations about, yeah, creating those certain moments for people. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, it's not magic. You know, I think... I understand that. I mean, I've been a pastor now for long enough to have experienced in multiple churches those kind of expectations. Um, but in the end, you know, our job as ministry leaders is not to create magical moments for people. It's to point people to the Savior. And I do think Christmas presents a unique opportunity in that. I mean, there are at least some people who are paying attention to Christian things that otherwise are not. Um, and so... You know, I think there's, to me, it's like some kind of balance. I mean, there are certain things that you can do just to, to sort of care for people and, you know, not be a, a jerk by crushing all of their Christmas traditions, mm -hmm. while at the same time keeping the focus on the right things and, you know, keeping the focus on the gospel and, and the miracle that we're celebrating. So, you know... I feel like that's there's no written formula for that. You know, every church has different sort of unspoken, you know, culture. This is the way things go at this time of year. Oh yeah. And so you just got to you got to discern that as a leader and you got to figure out how to to navigate that in a way that doesn't, you know, make lots of enemies but also tries to redirect attention to the main thing. 
Yeah, and I, I think Christmas represents just a really good mirror of what every leadership tension represents, which is that when you're leading a movement, whether that be in a church or somewhere else, you are dealing with the traditions of the body, not just your own traditions. Mm-hmm. And so as a pastor, especially in the Wesleyan culture where pastors move around, we come into churches with our own traditions. Like, hey, as a pastor, this is something I always did during Advent. And you encounter the body, which is like, hey, we never did that during Advent. And, um, you know, th- those are both real tensions. And, and I think if there's a leader out here who's listening, who's like, man, I'm in the middle of that right now. The one piece of wisdom that I learned the hard way is to give yourself and to give your people permission to grieve the loss of tradition, mm. right? And, and what I mean by that is, is, is we have to call out the emotional reality that from one Christmas to the next, Christ remains the same, but the, the tradition, the trimming mm. around it changes and that has to be okay for the body because as new people come into the body the body changes too right if we think about it from a church perspective as staff come on it changes right so one of the things that we notice a lot when we go to church is that is that there are are, our strongholds there are are spaces that are held very tightly because they represent the tradition of the culture that they they're in yeah and as new as a as a leader the goal isn't necessarily to blow those up, although sometimes they need to be. The goal is to just acknowledge them, give them space, and if you are going to change them, we have to give people permission to grieve the loss of the tradition. Yeah. Well, sometimes grieving also looks like massive temper tantrums. For sure. A hundred percent, right? And, and, and I mean, leave it to me to say the most unpastoral right, thing here right. at the table. Well, but and, you know, and then I go back to the calendar, right? Like I just wouldn't schedule more than one of those a week, and you know when they're coming. Yeah. As a leader, you know when someone's going to walk into your office and just wants to tell you all the ways that you just ruined their entire life. It just happens, and it's unfortunate, but it's. I mean, right, right, Matt. This is a cheery. It's right. <laughs> well. Uh, on that note, I think you're exactly right. No, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I do wonder, and I hope I don't sidetrack us here, I wonder if we could shift gears for just a moment and talk about uh, the nature of what we believe about Christmas itself. Amen. Because um, I was just thinking about this as we were sitting here. You know, this is the Spirit and Truth podcast. And so as a ministry, um, you know, we're helping to equip uh, local churches and, you know, our our desires to see a global movement of local churches who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in the truth, and mobilized for the mission. And so in this podcast, as you listen to coming episodes, uh, we're going to have a lot of conversation around um, supernatural stuff, around the Spirit-filled life personally and in the life of the church, about leading ministry in that way, and and all of this kind of stuff. We're going to have Dr. Pete Bellini is going to be a reoccurring guest that we're going to have. And I was just sitting here thinking, as we're talking about all of this Christmas stuff, I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity just to highlight how ridiculously supernatural yeah. Christmas actually mm. is. And I just flipped open my Bible to uh, the beginning of, of Luke. That's we're, we're at our local church. We're going through the first couple chapters of Luke during Advent. And I just want to just quickly just note, I just notice all the places where you see the Holy Spirit and supernatural stuff. Um, 
this this week I preached on uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and there's this comment uh, in in the word mm-hmm. about John from the angel, yeah. and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And then you skip over uh, to Mary. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Obviously, you know, talking about um, her becoming in pregnant with Jesus. And you see this kind of theme all throughout, even as you flip over uh, to chapter 2, and you have the the miraculous nature of the birth and the angels and all of that. But then you have in chapter 2, uh, Simeon, when Jesus is presented in the temple, and it says, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it's been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die. And then verse 27, he's moved by the Spirit. He went to the temple courts. Like in all of these instances, and I feel like in some ways that we don't always highlight, <coughs> my point, I guess, is the Holy Spirit's all over Christmas. It's not just, yeah. we get this sense of like Christmas as like this nice, cute kid story about a baby and animals and whatever, you know, the nativity scene. But this is an, I mean, this is an utterly supernatural account from beginning to end. And um, from angelic messengers to all of this Holy Spirit activity, I just don't, I don't want to lose that reality in the church that we're not just rehearsing some sort of mundane story. This is the God of the universe breaking into creation. Yes, that's true. So don't you think that should uh, affect the way in which we celebrate uh, this season and then approach this holiday? Yeah. I often think, as as I've been listening to the two of you go back and forth and sort of just express these these different perspectives and different... um, and, And... I think what's clear to me is that the, the core emphasis is actually not different. Um, you know, Jesus. Yeah. But, Praise um, the Lord. Yes. But w- I think that sometimes there's a type of awe and sacredness that I always am sort of hoping for in, um, in our worship during Christmas because of exactly what you're talking about. And sometimes I think that the tension I feel to like try to push things off or create space is to try to create space for that awe. But then when I feel things creeping back in, like the, the emotional parts, the sentimentality, I'm often, I feel like searching through that stuff for the, the, the sense of being overwhelmed by God's, Mm -hmm. the, the largeness of the moment that's, that we're honoring in Christmas the reality that's taking place, God becoming flesh. So anyway, all that to say, it's a hard thing to wrap your arms around. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What can you do other than say, like if you told me the only way that we can adequately honor this in worship is to just speak it and then we all get on our faces, I would say, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I do think that there's an interesting tradition that's worth mentioning that I think is is born out of this same awe and wonder, and that is in in most Protestant churches that I've gone to, at the end of the service, 
um, we sing Silent Night. Christmas Eve service, yeah. Yeah, the Christmas Eve service. We sing Silent Night, and then we light the candles, mm-hmm. and everybody holds an individual candle. And um, what I love about that is that I think it echoes, Matt, what you were saying earlier. It's light breaking into the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? The, the, you know, the God of the universe breaking into a, a dark dingy world and each of us gets to hold a, a flame of that and uh, I love that and I love that y- you know it in several churches that I've participated in this tradition and we don't blow them out until we leave yeah mm-hmm. you know and of course the maintenance staff always loves that because there's wax everywhere but that's neither here nor there <laughs> that's just the realities of doing church but um but I love that idea that there's a just a, a uh, really, there's a supernatural moment when light penetrates the darkness. I th- and if that's not Christmas, I don't know what is. Yeah, I think actually, you know, of course I love the story in Luke. And I have, I in particular love the account of the Holy Spirit with Mary and all of that. But I think what you've just described, um, Tony, is most succinctly described in the Gospel of John. Yeah. Mm. When... You know, if you really look at the birth narrative, it's about a paragraph long because it says, and it ends with, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then right after that goes into the account of John. And that's, you know, the first five verses of the first chapter. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think, you know, the light came into the world and the darkness did not overcome it. I mean, that's the that's the one sentence elevator pitch for what happens at Christmas, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's it. That's what happens. But it's profound and reality altering. And one thing I was saying um, earlier, as Emma and I were just sort of discussing this before you guys got to the office, because we were early. Um. <laughs> okay, for the record, I was here at 7.30 this morning and I was all by myself. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the things... No comment. <laughs> one of the things we were talking about is how, you know, the incarnation is one of the central doctrines to Christianity. And we believe that this is true. And if this is true, if the God of all creation became a human being, then it has implications for reality that change everything. everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, and that is, it might be kind of what I was trying to get at earlier when I yeah. was talking about the supernatural nature of this. I think because the invitation here for church folks is not just the invitation to sort of feel good about a story for a while like you know we can just have this nice moment together this is an invitation this is an earth-shaking invitation for each of our lives Mm -hmm. when we recognize that the same spirit who came (laughs) upon mary you know and led to the birth of the savior is the same spirit who now is available um to us and we can carry that same spirit with us in and Jesus you know becomes incarnate in the world by those who now carry his his spirit i mean this isn't this is an invitation it's a supernatural story with an invitation to a supernatural life mm-hmm. mm, i like that so here's a question for uh, 
group of leaders sitting around this table, right? Like we're, we're talking to leaders. How do you personally, in the midst of how many Christmas Eve services are you doing this year, Matt? Four. In the midst of four (laughs) services, preaching through Advent, uh, getting the church ready, all of the other denominational things that are happening in this particular year. Yeah. Right. How are you personally pausing to remember and to celebrate the light that breaks through the darkness? And we're just going to go around the table. So Emma, you're next. What? (laughs) I'm not sitting next to you. Emma. Um, well, just in a, you know, in a, in a family sense, just with my, as far as just fun and celebration, you know, we do a number of kind of things. We have some traditions as a family. I won't go into all those. One of my favorites, we have this, um, someone gifted us years ago, like this, it's a, it's like an electronic advent calendar that has little activities embedded in it. And, um, we go and it's like seven bucks or something and we buy this every year and the kids are so excited about it. And so in the evenings we'll um just take time to to do that together and, and it's nothing super holy. It's just but it's a way to kind of just kind of count down the days together and uh just yeah, have fun together thinking about Christmas that's coming. Um on a personal on a personal note, I mean one thing I'm doing right now is I've just, in my own devotional time, I'm just, uh, I've just been reading through these initial chapters in Luke kind of over and over again. I mean, we're, we are, we're using this to, in our preaching at, our, at the church, but I'm not preaching next week, for example, and yet I was just reading the story again because I just, uh, I don't want to become calloused to the miracle that's embedded here. And so I just was reading and just reflecting and asked God, you know, to help me see the story with fresh eyes again. You know, like even though I've been through it a million times, I've heard it read over and over. I still, I want to be struck with how crazy this is um, whenever I read it. So that's not a big deal, but in my own devotional time, I'm just, just keep going, going back to the birth narrative and trying to meditate on the miracle of it. Mm. Emma. Yeah, I would say for me specifically, I'm doing an Advent devotional that I just found online. Nothing fancy, just there's a little devotional, a scripture with it, and um, like a question to consider or something like that. But um, when you ask me that question, the, the first thing that Um, actually comes to my mind is not just the specific Advent devotional that I read, but it's also, I think of the prophetess Anna, Mm. who's mentioned in Luke chapter two, and there's only like two or three verses about her. But basically her life story is this. She was widowed after being married for, I think, seven years. And then she lives at the temple worshiping fasting praying and waiting for the savior and so i'm always drawn back to that during advent season because it seems like the correct response you know and even though we're on the other side of it we worship we fast 
we pray. And I never want to, just like you're saying, I, you never want to lose that, the holiness of this story. I never want to lose that either and the reverence in my heart to recognize the humility and the sacrifice mm-hmm. of God being wrapped in human flesh. So that's me. <laughs> Margaret? Yeah. Um, I think that for me, it is an intentional practice of proximity. I mean, one of the things, and we haven't talked about this during this particular podcast, but this is, it's a significant um, sort of aspect of reflecting on Christmases, reflecting on um, the people who, you know, Joseph and Mary and their stories and the the Holy Family or... um, and how they participated and how they partnered with the Holy Spirit, you know, and what that is, what is the implication of that for me? How is that an example for me? And, and in particular, Mary's interaction with the angel, I often will read that quite a bit during Advent because it's so strange and kind of wonderful and (laughs) crazy. And the, the promise that is there is just so it's so final for no word from God will mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. fail, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, that's what I was journaling about this morning was that exact line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent hours and hours and hours yeah. of my life at this point thinking about just that one line. Yeah. Um, so I, that's what I do. And, and I think it's along the same lines. It's so easy to become um, overly familiar to treat, to yeah. treat this story with, a type of common, you know, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I know it. But, yeah, it's wonderful and miraculous, and I'll never understand the full depth of that mystery. So that's what I do. What about you, Anthony? Uh, Space for me, right? Like, uh, I tend to take a couple days around, especially the week of Christmas, Mm. and just, just clear out my whole schedule. And really just spend some time with the Lord that's just different than any other time. Um, I also, you know, I, I love Luke's narrative mm-hmm. of that um, event, right? Like it's so I, I, I typically go back to Luke every year. Like it, I, obviously it's the, it's the one that focuses the most on Mary and being told and what that means and just holding all that together. So, uh, and then as a family, we, we, we read Luke together at some point, yeah. usually on Christmas Eve we do after the same church. Thing. Usually, that's when we do it. Um, sometimes Christmas Eve before church, depending on how many churches we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think space. Th- there's a really interesting combination in uh, the Christmas narrative that involves faith and obedience and space. Mm-hmm. I think we see that. In, in Mary, I think we see that in um, Anna. I think we see that in a lot of, mm-hmm. of those key characters in Luke's gospel. So, Awesome. Well, that's been our podcast today. We did the thing. And we did the thing. Hey, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Oh, Matt, why don't you have a special Christmas blessing for all of our listeners of this brand new podcast? <laughs> Matt, say the blessing. 
uh yeah let me just let me pray for everyone uh, lord uh i just lift uh every person that's listening to this podcast right now to you i ask that you would bless them and that you would bless their family and their churches and um god i pray that you would surprise them in this season that as they make space for you that you would break in and um draw them in once again with fresh eyes and fresh ears into this miraculous story that we might respond to you with awe, with wonder, and with worship because you deserve it, Lord. We love you and we celebrate you, Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, our very own Savior. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 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 That's been our podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button. Have a very Merry Christmas and we'll see you in the new year. Sing it again. <laughs> <laughs> we could start with everyone singing. Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to start this podcast. Everyone has to sing a solo of their favorite Christmas song. A solo of your favorite Christmas song? Uh, Mary, did you know? Oh, gosh. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Please. What about, what about, what about? Uh, no one's ever going to Oh, my favorite again. one was, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> Only, Only a hippopotamus will do. <laughs> no crocodile. Oh, man. <laughs> This is the fastest (laughs) podcast ever. First and last episode. First and last episode. (laughs) Wait, no, I want to hear.